When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey parents, welcome to another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. My name is Tim Wright. I'm your host, along with uh, our good friend, Dr. Michael Gurian. Michael, it's always good to have you with us. Oh, thank you, Tim. You too. We have been doing a, uh, a multi-episode look at raising our sons and daughters in this new world, a hashtag Me Too world. And today, we're going to kind of wrap up this phase of it by looking at some strategies that can help you navigate your kids through this new world. Uh, in many ways, it's a, it's a, a positive thing that's happened where we've become far more aware of um, relationships and sex and what's appropriate, what's not uh, appropriate, what's appropriate. Uh, but there are some challenges that come with that as well, and hopefully you've been learning some things as we've gone through these podcasts. Uh, if you're listening to us today for the first time, a special welcome to you. Thank you for joining us. And if you like what you hear, you can go to our website, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, and there's some links there where you can subscribe to the show. There's also a place for all of you to leave questions, and uh, coming up here in the next few weeks, we're going to answer a series of questions. Uh, we've received a number of them, really, really excellent questions. If you want to put yours uh, in the list as well, we'd be happy to entertain any and all questions, and you can do that at thewonderofparenting.com. So, Michael, we've been uh, looking at this and, and, in a sense, sort of based on a couple ebooks I've written, um, Raising Sons in a Hashtag Me Too World, Raising Daughters in a Hashtag Me Too World, both ebooks available on Amazon, and, of course, your two books, Saving Our Sons and the Minds of, da- or Minds of Girls. Uh, today, what I want to do is, is uh, kind of wrap things up by looking at some strategies uh, that really are rooted in a lot of human history, and uh, I want to tell a little story uh, that people are going to listen to this and say, what does that have to do with anything? Um, hopefully it's a little comic relief, but it does have a point to it. And uh, it's about a, a pastor years and years ago, um, and uh, he was starting a, a new church. And so they were trying to figure out what is the best way to get the attention of our new neighbors. So they went out and they did a survey, and they found out that in that community, it was a lot of young parents, the number one challenge for them was potty training uh, their children. And so they thought what they would do is offer a potty training seminar for the community, free of charge. They, they brought in this excellent uh, psychologist to, to teach, and uh, the pastor, being a pastor, wanted to, to justify it biblically. So he turned to the Old Testament, uh, which is what we as Christians call it, or for uh, Michael's faith group, they would call it the scriptures of the Hebrew scriptures, to Proverbs 22, verse 6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So they thought they had their justification there for potty training, <laughs> teaching kids how to go. Uh, now, the reason why I bring this up is because there's some ancient wisdom in that verse. Um, train children 
in the way that they should go and live. Train them in your values. Train them in strategies. Uh, and, and cultures have always understood this for, for hundreds and hundreds of years, that a part of the sacred duty of being parents is to train our children to be productive, healthy adults. It, it doesn't just happen. It doesn't happen through osmosis. Uh, there's training involved. And that training specifically has been called a rite of passage. Um, so we're going to tease that out, uh, uh, what a rite of passage can look like for a boy, what it can look like for a girl, how it can help them have a life vision uh, for navigating a Me Too world. But Michael, give us some of the background of rites of passage, where they came from, why they were developed, why they're so important. Okay, yeah, great. And it's such a neat fit with, because when we ended last time, we ended on talking a lot about how we've got to have these crucial conversations when kids are 12 to 14, right? 12, 13, 14, we got to start conversations about sexualization and what that's going to be like. And, and uh, of course, the rites of passage programs that you and I've created with, with our colleagues are for 12 to 14 year olds. So it's just a perfect fit. Um, so rites of passage are, are um, ancient rituals that mainly were created for um, boys. And uh, then in the last hundred years or so, more and more created also for girls. But in for throughout most of human history, the rite of passage that girls had was was menstruation. And it biochemically, so neurobiologically, it took them to the place into adulthood that that boys don't don't get to, because boys don't have any equivalent to menstruation. Um, so rites of passage were developed to help boys to become adults in the way that girls were kind of forced internally to become adults. And the, our, our ancestors didn't know it, but there's a lot of brain biology there that, that menstruation does affect and puberty affects the female brain in a number of ways that um, make it more adult, like more pathways to the frontal lobe, which is the executive decision-making part of the brain. A lot of that growth happens as girls hit puberty and start to menstruate and, and so on. But for guys, we need that too, right? Guys needed. We need our guys to be high character, self-sacrificing, frontal lobe, you know, as much as possible, making good executive decisions, men of value, uh, you know, clear manhood. So rites of passage were developed mainly to help them. Now, of course, in the last hundred years, um, they've been developed for everyone. So you and I have developed rites of passage programs for both boys and girls. And and what was the what was it that they wanted to instill? Let's talk about boys for the moment. What did tribes, what did cultures want to instill in their boys? And what were some of the different ways that they would do that? Yeah, well, they, of course, wanted to instill their cultural tribal values. Um, and then as religions started taking over, obviously, religious values. Um, but religions are only a few thousand years old. So previous to that, it was the tribes and their values. Um, uh, those values are their moral values, What what their social values, what we now may even call social emotionals, they were instilling that character, you know, they're instilling character, resilience, a big part of rites of passage is adult resilience. If you didn't have resilience before, you're going to need it now because you're becoming an adult. Uh, for males, manhood. So we want to take you from being a boy to a man because we don't want a man uh, who's really, you know, an adult male body, but has a boy inside there. We want this guy to be a man. Uh, that means a loving, wise, and successful male adult, um, 
uh, because he is male. So loving, wise, and successful male adult, a man. And um, sub-values there are going to be self-sacrifice. Uh, you know, males, one of the big values that has been instilled in males is you, uh, and in my language, I, I say that people have heard me say this wherever I speak, you, you create a self and then you give that self to the people who need it. Uh, and obviously women are doing that too. They create a self and then they give that self to the people who need it. And for girls, uh, that happens naturally inside their biological system as they hit puberty and through adolescence. They, they and, and I've never had a woman tell me this is not true. They feel, women can start feeling that they're, they're creating a self, uh, but that if they choose to have children, they're going to be giving that self. So they're not only going to give it to work, to, to relationships, but they're going to be giving that self to the raising of those kids. And, um, uh, and that's what they, the previous cultures were also trying to do with males, make sure that these guys move through uh, this time using rites of passage, move through this time from, from 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, but especially sort of 11, 12, 13, as puberty's hitting, put them into rites of passage uh, over a period of some years that help them to build that manhood, that male adult self that they will then give to their family, to their spouse, their children, their tribe, and of course in our more modern language that we will we will give to society, to the betterment of society, to service, to a life of purpose, uh, as well as our family, our spouse, and our kids. So in part what uh, a uh, a strategy or a rite of passage is trying to do is is give a young man, a young woman, a, a vision for life about how he or she is going to relate uh, to himself, relate to others, uh, and in some cases even relate to his or her God. Absolutely, and and in, in the context of finishing up our Me Too, our, our uh, podcast, kind of connecting with Me Too, a lot of what the rite of passage was was doing was teaching these boys and of course the, the girls as well teaching them how to navigate their relationships with the other and until very recently you know there wasn't a lot of talk about same-sex couples so it was mainly you know boys are going to be taught how to relate to girls and girls are going to be taught how to relate to boys women to men men to women um, now we have the addition of same-sex couples uh, we're still learning how to, to deal with the other learning how to understand and respect the other and learning how to help the other understand and respect us. Uh, and a lot of that is supposed to happen in adolescence so that by the time we are at the point where, like for instance, all of our ancestors were having kids at sort of 13, 14, 15, right? That's long yep. ago, okay? So that's when their adulthood started. Um, but now adulthood is really not starting until somewhere between 20 and 30. Um, but either way, we want those kids to become adults by whatever is that time. And part of being adult is going to be figuring out potentially the most complex thing you'd have to figure out in your life, which is how to have a sustained long-term relationship with the other sex, if you're obviously hetero. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable. With stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft. Made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. 
Now, if if uh, people aren't aren't quite sure what a rite of passage is, they they have had some introduction to them, uh, particularly the last few years with movies like Lord of the Rings, uh, which is in many ways a rite of passage movie about Frodo, who in this case takes on the character of a boy, and uh, goes through a process, a series of things that um, uh, call him into manhood. And there are several characteristics that that film teases out for us that make for a good rite of passage. Um, the, the first thing, the most important thing, is that uh, internal and even external sense of call that the boy or the girl is moving now into a new life stage. And, um, you know, for girls, they sense that, you said, with, with menstruation. Boys may or may not always know it in, in intuitively or internally but but they get little clues they know something's happening when they start growing armpit hair their voice lowers um they find themselves sexually stimulated by other girls um uh, and and so that's kind of the first step but then after that um there's that that call uh to move into manhood and one of the first things that happens is that boy that girl is surrounded by uh mentors and in, so in the case of Frodo, it was Gandalf and the Fellowship of the Nine. Uh, so talk about the importance of moms, dads, and other mentors in in uh, helping our, our sons and daughters learn to be uh, men and women. Yeah. Well, that's such a big deal because we are very um, sort of nuclear family-centric right now in our in our modern, postmodern society. And we, we um, can sometimes forget that, especially by the time kids are hitting puberty, that they really do need, they need mom and dad, of course, but they really do need these three or four other mentors. And, um, and those guys could be, and, and women could be spread out, uh, or some of them could come at them at once, you know, uh, what the, what the rites of passage programs used to do, like a, like a bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, uh, even the old way confirmation was done, perhaps where it was pretty complex. Um, uh, what the rites of passage were trying to do was, was take give give the kids a calling, and make sure they get these mentors that are going to help them in the calling. And so, for instance, in the past, like even as early as ten, a a the family, the nuclear unit, let's say, or the extended family unit, would give that that young boy over to the blacksmith or the horseshoer or the tailor, and that kid would sometimes go live with this other mentor. You know literally go live with that other person so that that mentor was teaching the kid the craft on which he would make his living and also um, the social emotionals, basically an, a mentor helping this boy to navigate the journey between childhood and adulthood and become an adult. So mentors are crucial. They're crucial in any age. They're crucial now. Um, uh, and they're crucial to rites of passage. It's very hard for a child to become an adult and basically only have his mom and dad or only have his mom, which is more common, single moms. Uh, it's actually harder for that child to become an adult with only the nuclear unit. The, uh, one of the other keys then to a, a good rite of passage is to create challenges that stretch the boy or the girl 
um, that help them face their fears a little bit, help them discover uh, resiliency in their lives, uh, to create a sense of perseverance. Of course, you have that Lord of the Rings where uh, Frodo and uh, Sam uh, just face one challenge after another. In this case, they face constant death, uh, and how they keep stepping into it and keep facing their fears to build that resilience and uh, really to empower them to believe that, that they can tackle almost anything. Yeah, that resilience piece is crucial. Obviously, it's crucial to adulthood. And um, as we have lost rites of passage in our society, we've we've lost some of the resilience training for our kids. And right, one of the reasons you and I united to create these rites of passage programs and then to, and brought others in, like Kathy Stevens, like your daughter Alicia, brought them in to help us create them for girls, was to to help with help young people to become resilient adults and that means they they have to do work you know they have to face obstacles they have to do things like in our rites of passage programs they have to do things that might make them nervous like they are going to have to prepare something that they have to do in front of the whole congregation like in your in your church um or they have to do in front of their whole extended family for people who use our programs in their big families uh or in my setting the more jewish setting right a bar mitzvah bat mitzvah which is in where the kids have to stand up in front of people um, uh, always got to be obstacles, always got to be fears. Uh, mentors and parents are helping the kids to move through the fears, giving them tools of independence so they can independently move through the fears, teaching them crafts, teaching them art forms, teaching them um, uh, what they need to do that so that they can become resilient adults. So you're right. Resilience is crucial. Uh, and there are a lot of other pieces to it, but a, a final piece then is once they have accomplished the goal, whatever the goal might be, uh, in this case for Frodo, it was destroying the, the one ring, there is a a celebration at the end and a welcoming of the boy or the girl into this new elite club of manhood or womanhood. Um, you know, in the, in the bar mitzvah, you can talk about what that welcome passage or ceremony looks like. In some places, uh, you know, in the tribes uh, back in the day, you know, the boy would be brought back in and embraced by the moms and all the women and the men. Uh, and just a big celebration would be thrown to say, you are now embarking on a different point in your life. And we have trained you. We have shaped you. We're here for you. Uh but we now see you as moving toward a more independent, responsible, empowered adult. Yeah. Yeah. As, and as I like to say, as you know, like we, we, with our rites of passage, we use the heroic model and the wisdom model. And for the uh, wisdom model for girls, heroic model for boys. And in that heroic model, these, we're looking at them, at them bringing to the community that, that they have understood this kind of heroic paradigm. Um, and that they are ready to live it out, and they bring it to the community, in front of the community. And for girls, it's a wisdom paradigm. Um, and basically, it's the same thing, somewhat different language. Uh, and and the community celebrates with them that they have arrived at this place. They've gone through this two-year rite of passage, and now they've arrived at this place. And it doesn't mean that the community is saying to a 14-year-old, uh okay, you're fully an adult, we'll let you drive. You know, it's not, it's not that. It's that there's a social-emotional shift in the self, to use sort of new language. We've helped the child to develop this shift from childhood to, toward adulthood in the way that, for instance, Jewish 
congregations would say, okay, now you are a man or now you are a woman. Well, at 13, well, they didn't really mean the child was an adult, but they meant that you've made the shift. And so now you're going to be an adult in your community and, and some of the adult expectations of a community are going to be on you. But you're ready. You've gone through the obstacles. You've understood it all. You understand the basic paradigms of character and values and, and so on. And so now you're ready to be an adult. And we as a community have to welcome you in. If this last piece didn't exist, the rite of passage would not be as powerful. The child would be in some way kind of alone, maybe feeling rejected or abandoned or trying to understand. But because the community um, celebrates that the child has moved through this rite of passage, um, that's what cements it for the kid. So to, to tie all of this in to um, this particular theme of, of uh, helping our kids navigate this Me Too world, let's look briefly at the heroic model. Um, because what we're talking about here isn't just strategies for a sexual relationship. Uh, we're talking much broader than that, and the sexual relationship is an important piece of that, but all the other pieces are just as important. Um, and uh, when you get all the pieces right, that's when you're really setting boys up or girls up for success in all aspects of life. So uh, just as an example, give us a couple of the, um, you don't have to give all the heroic, but what are a couple of the character qualities that uh, we talk about using that particular acrostic? Yeah, so, uh, well, I can do it fast. So honor is H, and enterprising is E, responsible is R, um, original is O, and then I is intimacy and C is creativity. Uh, so, so like, for instance, honor. Um, I, part of what we're trying to do as we move more pathway development in the brain, you know, toward the frontal lobe, that's really what, what honor is. Uh, it's, it's, there are these characters, there's values, uh, compassion, empathy. Uh, how do you act honorably with other people? And here's what honor is. And so like in our rite of passage, all the meetings that everyone has, these are topics that get dealt with and, and adults and kids talk about these topics and figure out what is honor? What to me will be honorable behavior um, uh, and enterprising? Okay, enterprising, what does that mean? I got to be doing something. I got to be doing some things that are important. I can't just be sitting around entertaining myself. I got to go, you know, like I got to start working. I got to, I, I got to develop something new, invent something new, whatever it is that's enterprising a responsibility okay you know i can no longer slough off my chores i i'm a responsible person and maybe i'm the eldest and i have four siblings okay who are younger than me i got to be more responsible to help with raising them so um all of these things are seen differently now uh as as we apply the heroic acrostic and and again what we're trying to to do through rites of passage is to give our sons and daughters a, a vision for their lives, for, for being good, heroic men and, and uh, good, wise women, so that in all of their relationships, whether it's at work or it's in their faith community or their families, uh, that they know who they are and they know what it means to, to uh, use their gifts and talents to, uh, to bring out the best in others, to build a better world. And uh, one of the, the key learnings for me as we were working on this was if we don't train our children, if we don't take them through a rite of passage, they'll find a rite of passage themselves, particularly our boys, but our girls increasingly as well. And oftentimes those rites of passage will be led by their peers 
and they will sometimes be more harmful than good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kids are going to naturally seek out rites of passage, um, and like like the first car, or you know, getting a driver's license and maybe getting your first car. Uh, they're also going to seek out risk, and males more than females um, because males have less frontal lobe pathway connection than females do. So by puberty, females have are moving most of their brain activity toward frontal lobe uh, by the time they hit about 15, 16, whereas guys, it takes them another five to 10 years. So um, so guys especially are going to do really high-risk things, but all adolescents do high-risk things. And um, and what we're trying to do is get them actually to, to assess those things, move more toward frontal, be smarter, more mature adults um, over a period of time so that they they can apply these standards uh, more in their lives. Yeah, so the you know one of the very very typical rites of passage that uh, boys and girls will go through is hazing in college if they attend college, and um, it's sort of the the prove you're a man by drinking this much, um, or by trying to uh, have sex with this many girls or vice versa. Um, and what we want to try to do for our boys and our girls before that happens is to give them the fortitude to know who they are and that they don't have to prove anything to anyone uh, in that way. But what they want to do is to show themselves to be a good man, a good woman by by, uh, being wise, being compassionate, um, being serving. And, And those things we want to inculcate into our kids from the moment they come out of the womb but there is a specific training time uh, that that uh, most cultures have targeted between, uh, say, 12 and 15, 16 years of age. Yeah, what we really want, when we, when we look at hazing, the kind of hazing that happens in high schools and colleges, when we look at that and study that, what we're seeing is, um, is late growth in terms of rites of passage. Because mm-hmm. what we really want is those, that, those well... Uh, certain hazings we don't want, but the concept of that rite of passage, we want that to actually be happening when they're when they're twelve to fourteen, so that they have, as you've said, so that they're developing the self and they have a clearer sense of self by the time they're fourteen. We it's really not wise for our culture to put this stuff off until kids are uh, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. It can still work out, and and in fraternities. Um, you know, there are a lot of fraternities that have, they kind of have these kind of silly high-risk high rites of passage, like drinking too much. And you go, okay, well, that that's, you really shouldn't do that. That's high risk. Okay, but okay, you're going to do that. Um, but the sexual one is the one that, that you really go, wait a minute, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be putting 18-year-olds through that. If they had had rites of passage at 12 to 14 and had established a self, because they would be 18 and they would say to the person who says to them, well, you can't belong to the fraternity unless you have sex with 10, 10 women. They would say, no, that's that's stupid. That's low character. I'm not doing that. Um, because they had the rite of passage at 12 to 14 and they developed the self and they have that strong self they can bring. Um, and they can make some decisions about what sorts of high risk things they want to do uh, when they're asked to join this next community. But I think I think some of what we're having, some of the issues we're having as a culture in trying to understand hazing, and it's not just in college, but there's a lot of high school hazing in sports teams, for instance, some of which is really valuable. It helps bond people. Uh, it helps build resilience so that the, the young freshman can become a part of a team that's going to have to compete 
needs resilience. So some of that's good, but some of it has been sexualized. So we're having we're having seniors who are who are putting freshmen through rites of passage in which they're trying to penetrate them and all of that. Right, this is basically sexual abuse. Uh, a lot of that stuff I do not believe would be happening in those later years if we had these strong selves developed twelve to fourteen. So uh, one of the first things that brought uh, Michael and and me together was my desire uh, to create some rites of passage for the Christian community of which I'm a part. And so we took uh, Michael's uh, acrostic heroic and uh, we fleshed it out into a program basically geared to churches for dads to take their sons through. Um, Then we created one. Uh, using the wisdom model, same, basically the same concepts, only geared to women, and we created one for uh, a church program for, for teenage daughters and their moms. But we also discovered as we were going along that uh, there are a lot of people who may or may not be connected to faith communities or who may have faith communities who aren't interested in doing this, and they still want to take their kids through a rite of passage. So we've created... Uh, a, a couple different rites of passage that you might be interested in. Uh, you go to wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, and we've got some pictures and some links uh, for you to get those. Um, we've got one called Heroic Conversations with Your Junior High Son. And uh, this is a series of about seven different conversations with some activities built around that in a, in a special time of celebration that basically dad or a father figure will have with a junior high boy. Uh, we created a similar program for girls called Wisdom Conversations uh, with your junior high daughter. And this is, again, for moms to have with their daughters or a mother figure or moms and grandmas to have. And again, it's seven conversations about very important things uh, that will begin to prepare your daughter for womanhood. But as Michael said, we recognize that at 14, 15 years of age, when we say, all right, you've, you're now a man, they're not really men, they're not really women, and they still need ongoing training. So we've created, also along with that, what we call a ceremony for uh, our sons and our daughters, just to build on the rite of passage. Uh, so we've got a heroic manhood ceremony for your 16-year-old son, and a wisdom womanhood ceremony for your 16-year-old daughter. And, and let me give you just a, a brief picture of what that ceremony looks like, how it's different from a rite of passage. A rite of passage is an ongoing uh, experience that goes over several weeks or months. The ceremony is kind of a, a two- to three-hour event just to mark something special. We've created it for your 16-year-olds, but you could use it again when they're 18, when they're 25, whatever. I did this when my son became a father for the first time. And um, what I did was I, I, and this is the the ceremony that we've created for you. I had my father, uh, my brother, uh, my my son's father-in-law, and then a a good friend who'd been a mentor to my son. I had them all write letters to my son about being a dad. And in there to say, here's what I've learned about being a dad. Here's some things I encourage you to do as a dad. And then here's why I think you're going to be a great dad. I wrote my son uh, over the course of about two or three weeks, a daily journal uh, that just covered everything that I could think about, uh, things I wanted to say to my son, experiences that we had. I wanted to talk about his grandpas that he 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 didn't maybe know all of them very well, and just to give him a sense of who he was and where he came from. And then surprised him by having him over for lunch 
and uh, we just sat and talked and you know there's us four or five guys there we just talked about being dads and uh, we all read our letters to Mike and uh, and then in our case we we prayed with him uh, and then I took him out and we marked the event by getting matching tattoos he's he was really into tattoos and we got a father tattoo that I had designed that would represent that moment and it put the date of the birth of his first child and so we took that ceremony and basically recreated it for your 16-year-old son, your 16-year-old daughter. And it's a powerful moment. Again, you can use again and again. And so if you are at a point where you've got a 12- to 14-year-old son or daughter, uh, or a 16-year-old son or daughter or older, uh, these programs will be helpful for you. We've got faith additions, and then those who are not involved in faith community, and that's at thewonderofparenting.com. Uh, and again, we we just really believe that if we want to raise healthy sons and daughters in a Me Too world, it's a holistic approach uh, that helps them think through what kind of man do I want to be, what kind of woman do I want to be. Uh, Michael, yeah. last word on rites of passage. Anything you want to add? No, no. I think we've we've covered it. I think uh, it's right for folks to go look at uh, go look at wonderparenting.com and look at all of those and just check them out. I mean, I yep. think they're set up so practically that you'll be able to see immediately if you want to use them. And another resource for people is your online parenting course. Yeah. So if you go to gurianinstitute.com and you see right at the top, there's a product button in the drop down menu and you'll see parent online course there and you click that. That then brings you to the page that describes everything. This is a six hour online course that can be spread out because it's broken into segments that can be spread out. It's video. Um, spread out over a period of days or weeks, um, and it's got other materials with it. It covers, you know, in a sense, all of the big topics, I would say, that we're all thinking about right now in raising kids and how to do it, uh, always from a brain science perspective and always from a gender science perspective. So understanding the minds of boys, understanding the minds of girls, how to raise them from pre-birth, birth, all the way through to adulthood. So that's gurianinstitute.com and... Um, and click the parent online course. Now, over the next several weeks, we are going to be uh, answering some questions that we've received from you, and we are so appreciative of them. And I'm also working on getting my son, Mike, uh, to join us. Uh, Mike went through clinical depression when he was a, a kid and into his teen years, and so we want to spend some time as well addressing the issue of uh, depression in our children. So those are some of the things, topics coming up here in the next few weeks. And uh, again, if you haven't subscribed, you can do that through wonderofparenting.com. Michael, thank you so much. Another good episode. Oh, thank you, Tim. And thank you, folks, for listening. We'll see you next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.